0: just love football don't you guys love primetime football well this primetime game that i'm watching currently on the tv right in front of me i have have myself positioned perfectly so i'm talking to you guys the viewer or if you're listening but if you're listening i'm watching giants 49ers and the new york giants in primetime well that can mean one thing and one thing only what does that one thing mean that means it is episode number seven of danny dimes in primetime but also episode number 200 and forty-eight, though, of YWC football talk with Big Rat three hundred and ten. Why? Because, like I said, Danny Dimes in primetime. The two of us link up. How are you doing tonight, sir?
1: I'm doing great. I, I'm starting to feel like a like a the main co-host at this rate. I'm been, <laughs> been all over the show with uh, two Danny Dimes primetime games and a Dolphins Patriots game early in the schedule. Uh, I feel like I'm everywhere right now.
0: And we have another one coming up next Monday night. Monday, uh, August, we have October 2nd, and then Sunday, October 16th. So, a lot of dimes in primetime right now. But before we talk about this week, obviously, I want to ask you the simple question from last week's game, more of, obviously, you guys won and you looked good, but what impressed you the most about the Dolphins on Sunday? Because I have some things that, not was I don't want to say impressed, but was kind of caught off guard by of who had better games than expected.
1: Yeah, so, I... I... Listening back to our preview of that game, it was actually, like, pretty spot on. Like, I feel like we both, like, had a good sense for the kind of game it would be. Like, I think I think I predicted 21-17, and you predicted 24-20. It was, like, right around the range of where the game fell at 24-17. Uh, you know, we made a big deal of saying the Dolphins are probably not going to throw it all over the yard. Tyreek is probably <laughs> not going to have a monster day. It's probably going to be more of a run-heavy game, more of a run running backs and tight ends kind of game. Uh, so, I guess what impressed me about the Finns – like I'm not surprised that they were able to run so well. I knew they could do that. It's why I wasn't – like. it's why I think with people who – this, if you think the way to – look, Bill Belichick obviously is a much, 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 much smarter defensive coach than I have ever – any chance of ever being. So I'm not <laughs> at all inclined to think that I'll have a better game plan than him. And he did exactly what I expected him to do. But in my opinion, I think it's a trap to think the way we beat the Dolphins is we – put all our deep safeties back and dare them to run the ball or throw the, throw checkouts because Tua is not like Josh Allen. Like in theory, that strategy works for Josh Allen because he doesn't have the discipline to do that over and over again without fighting for a deep ball. That's not there. And maybe throw a pick, you know, yeah. Tua is perfectly, like I said, on the pod, he is perfectly content throwing short routes all day long. Mike McDaniel is very happy to run the ball. If you're going to give him an incredibly light box. I think the Dolphins, as you kind of saw in that game, like the Dolphins do just fine in that environment. And so what impressed me, it's like I knew they could do that. I'm not at all surprised. But you do want to see pen to paper. Like one of my big stances this year was that the running game will be a lot better this year as the offensive line get better acclimated to the system of McDaniel and the San Fran scheme and all that. So just seeing the proof that the running game will actually be really good when we need it to be. Again, not surprising, but I'm happy to see it. Like, that's what we need to do in order to be a very versatile offense, where you take away Hill and Waddle, we'll kill you with the run game. You don't do anything, everything to stop Hill and Waddle, we'll kill you.
0: Which we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens, because obviously, Waddle, I believe, still in concussion protocol. Yeah. Um, that hit, I know a lot of people are calling that, like, I've seen some people call it dirty. Um, I didn't look at it as dirty. I just looked at Mapu, where he was in a lose situation just because where he was flying in the head, all that stuff. The one thing with two of them really caught me by surprise was his ability to get rid of the ball so quickly, especially when he's in open space. He only took one sack against the Patriots team that really gave Jalen Hurts fits. And not to compare his apples to oranges, but obviously Philadelphia's got a much better offensive caliber than Miami does. Miami's still up there, though, but just that was a thing. And even to learning about, like, Melissa Stark reporting where it was he's taking jiu-jitsu to learn to fall on his head better. Because even the sack he took, it's not like he's getting ragdolled out there even like when he slides down he kind of goes but then he's not going full force like we've seen Josh Allen do through these first couple games um I hate myself for the fact that I called Andrew Van Ginkle underrated and then he went out there and had a a great game he was a perfect pass disruptor um and then you also too called the Xavier Howard uh Parker mismatch which look was shown but the one thing I'll say from my side is is even though they're 0 two I said this on my last podcast that Mac hasn't been a problem yet Sunday was just simple errors, but also offensive line execution as a whole was my biggest concern with New England.
1: I was, I was relatively impressed with Mac. I know his yards per attempt was very low, but I, I was frustrated as a fan watching the game thinking like, okay, here's when the Dolphins get the two-touchdown lead, and then the game kind of fizzles out. And I was impressed with how often he made plays off the blitz and how often he made plays, honestly, the, the creation he showed. Kinda of like Tua in week one, a very popular Tua narrative is oh, when the pocket breaks down, he can't make a play outside the pocket. And we as dolphins fans have always known that's horseshit. You just don't watch enough Tua. But yes. to see it in week one and to have most of America see it was awesome. Same thing with Mac. I mean, he scrambled eighteen yards on third and fifteen, which is like not something I, I thought I would ever see him do. He he uh had that improvised touchdown to Hunter Henry in the end zone, even though Most people, including New England people, seem to think that it should have been flagged. But nonetheless, uh, that still showed great improbability on his end. So, yeah, I was – despite the numbers, uh, I I was, like, decently impressed with some of the creation he showed out of the pocket in that that game.
0: I know people don't – like, obviously, everyone has this whole, oh, if week two ended here. Like, I already had a week two take as well on my last show where I said – if like week two ends, obviously Mike McCarthy coach of the year and then like Dak Prescott, I'd say offensive player of the year, just because I think right now, Mike, Micah Parsons, if he keeps up his current pace, he's going to be in the MVP conversation, not just deep Um, But I said this right now with Mac to where with Tua last year, obviously he did enough to impress to where he just got his fifth year option. He didn't get a big mega deal. I would say if Mac keeps on his current progression of how he's playing, he will just get that fifth year option picked up. No problem. And then it's a problem that say, hey, after his fourth year, if he plays well, that's when he can go and get his extension. So we'll we'll see what happens. That's just something I wanted to throw out there to you.
1: And I would also say on the on the Van Ginkle point, because I heard it phrased a few times, Roscoe! Sorry for the... I have a dog here that is being very unruly, listeners. And I usually mute when they're going loud, but I'm <laughs> talking right now, so I can't do that. So It's all quick, good. Very quickly, I'll just say one of my favorite podcasts had a great, great joke where they were talking about how well Van Ginkle played against the Patriots. And then they said the Patriots will probably sign into a huge deal in the offseason. <laughs> and I, I got a very, very, very big laugh out of that because quite obviously it is a running – God chow, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki. They seem to like picking from the Dolphins tree. lately. And hey, Gink, um, to those who don't know, we, we thought we would lose gink in the offseason. We were pretty sure he was going to leave. It was yes, the I remember his, that. It was the end of his rookie contract. And he wasn't going to start. And they, he wanted to come back. Maybe he just didn't have a good market anywhere else. Maybe he likes Miami. But he came back on a one-year deal, was a backup to David Long for most of the summer. And then because Jalen Phillips got hurt, he started at edge in that game. He played awesome. It was very
0: good. He very cool. also, David Long was also very impactful as well, as Big rat screen goes. But yeah, David Long was also very impactful throughout that game. Um, but... We'll see what happens, and obviously you'll be back here October twenty sixth to or twenty fifth. We'll have to figure out that last week of October for us to preview, obviously because that's when New England goes to Foxborough. But anyway, guys, you see the ticker, you know what that means. We're like a Vegas sports book here where we talk about all the NFL games. And first up, I'm going to say this: Minnesota LA. I'm going to say this right now. I don't care who wins. Over fifty four is. I almost want to say free money, but I don't, just because I feel like with it's that like weird even ground where like it's going to be an amazing game, but then it ends up being a shitty game, you know. As Big Rat has disappeared on us once again, folks. Uh, if Roscoe's
1: causing trouble. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Uh, well, Roscoe's to the side. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. He's back. I had to kick him out of the room officially. Uh, <laughs> Roscoe's, a <great> <laughs> Roscoe's a great dog. He's a beautiful dog. But he's he, uh, he a little puppy and he likes to talk trouble. So Over. Yes, that's the play. I I personally cannot bet aside in this game. And every betting, gambling podcast I listen to, they've all kind of said the same thing. It's all very much like, dude, man, we have no idea how to pick a side on this. Like, we have no way of knowing. Like, What a touchdown. <laughs> there's a flag,
0: though. Uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, it might be roughing the passer, although Kittle doesn't seem too excited. It might be, but if that's a touchdown,
0: that's a beautiful footwork by Ronnie Bell. I think it's coming back. The way they're celebrating, I think that's coming
1: back. Fucking hell, man. I'm so pissed. I told my friend that Jawan Jennings would have a better game than him.
0: Well, anyway, yeah, back to this game. So that's why I feel like if you're going to bet this game, go on that over 54. But like, oh, let's see what we got. Oh, offside on the defense. Never mind. So it's going to be a touchdown. Hold on. Oh, are you ahead? Am I ahead of you? Or is he uh, texting? I-
1: let's
0: see this. Boom. boom. Rookie on oh Big Ten on Big Ten here Banks on uh, Bell on Banks. (laughs) What is amazing footwork by Ronnie Bell as the Niners take a nine uh, soon to be ten to three lead.
1: Yes, but yes, as I was gonna say, um, as I was gonna say, uh, as I was gonna say on this um on this Vikings Chargers game. On this Vikings-Chargers game, the uh, the the no way to pick a side. Like it's really hard to know which side is going to win because they both have similar problems. It's like both their pass defenses are very leaky. Their offenses have been pretty good. The you know the Vikings are at home, but the Chargers have the better roster. Like obviously, it's a do-or-die situation for both teams. It's really hard to. I don't know how anyone can say with any degree of confidence like which team is going to get out of the slump, which isn't like most people. Are just by default saying the Chargers just because they were ahead of the Vikings early on, um, yeah. but but yeah, I I I would say it can go either way. I, I'm in that boat too, where it can go either way. But when it comes to picking a winner,
0: I'm gonna go with the Chargers just because I trust them more to get it done. You know, because it's like that, it, it like this kind of screams Justin Herbert legacy game for the sense of hey, this could be the win that turns their season around. Because also do the Chargers. Have the Cowboys coming to town on Monday Night Football in a couple weeks, so or week six, so yeah, a couple weeks after this. So that's that's where I stand with this game. But like we say, for this for the smart for the smart amount of money, just just bet the over and close your eyes. Um, Washington versus Buffalo. Obviously, Washington's been that team to impress. I uh, don't want to toot my own horn, but last week, who called Washington
1: on the spread? Me, right here. And we um, did not get Broncos right in the Fab Five. Me, over here. That was a loss. <laughs>
0: Um, but we did call right with Buffalo, obviously Buffalo rebounding Josh Allen. Like that first drive, it's kind of you hold your breath if you're Buffalo. But then after that, 38-3 to three outscoring them. Like it's one of those things where we realized, yeah, no, Josh Allen's going to be fine. Um, with this game, like I look at it from the perspective of this, and I want you to see what you think. I think Buffalo's going to win, but I think Washington covers that six and a half. And this is that game where everyone kind of realizes, hey, Washington, you may not be like able to compete with the elite of the elite yet. But there's signs of this team can have make something happen, you know?
1: Yeah, I. It's this is another one that's kind of hard for me. Apparently, a lot of the pros really don't know what to do with this game, so I'm probably gonna stay away instinctively. But I think it'll be good. We'll see. Like oh, I, I'm
0: not, I'm not betting this game. I'm just saying like what I think will happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, but I'm saying I don't know what will happen. Like you would think that. Like, it, it should be a – like, based on how Buffalo played last week, you would think that it would be more of a one-sided game, but yeah, I, I have no clue.
0: I, I just think this is one of those games where everyone thinks Buffalo is going to run away with it, but then it's kept closer to where everyone thinks. Because I'm going to set this up beautifully for you. So, Buffalo gets a close win, and everyone's like, Miami's coming to town. Big divisional game. Obviously, you lost to the Jets week one, so it's that – little lingering doubt to where I'm not saying anything like I'm not calling what's going to happen week 4 but it kind of sets that narrative up perfectly for your game against Buffalo week 4 in Orchard Park so we'll see what happens let's just hope no bills fans this week are arrested for being on coke LSD and marijuana and jumping into the new stadium site um even those games in uh, raw john um packers versus saints um I'm going to be honest with you I know the packers are the favorite here and I know I was on them last week too but Something about New Orleans. Like, they look re-energized in the defense. Like, they played really well. And I'll say this, too. Vegas house call occurred in that game uh, Monday night. (laughs) Meaningless to uh, to get the two-point conversion, cover the three and a half, but still lose. Thank you, Carolina, for that one.
1: (laughs) And, like, they had done nothing the entire game on offense. I think Bryce Young had, like, 60 yards passing entering that drive or something crazy. Because he only finished with 150, and that drive was 75 yards, and it was all passes. So, like, it was truly a, like, we don't care, we're just trying to get out of here, we don't want to avoid injuries, like, we're just going to play soft coverage and let you guys drive down the field. It was, like, the most, like, lax, undeserved, like, defensive drive I've ever seen. But
0: hey, man, that's all
1: that matters exactly exactly that but I'm um, going with this game though like
0: I just look at it from that sense where I'm like this is that game where it's like either hey if New Orleans loses it's kind of like they're two and one they have that game against Tampa on next Sunday but then with Green Bay it's kind of that hey well Green Bay rebound obviously they lost to the NFC South last week in Atlanta Green Bay's home opener but like I said though I think there's just it's there's something about the Saints that really like feels different this year and also to I'll say this right now and I've been calling this. Chris Olave is one of the best young receivers in the NFL right now.
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's entering that like tier one is aggressive just because there's so many like elite receivers out there. Like truly like what, like the reason why I think the Patriots, not to, this is not a Patriots centered point, but the reason why the Patriots receiver room hurts them, it's yeah. not, it's not that any of those guys are bad. It's just that, Every team in the league has a thousand-yard receiver. Every team in the league has some stud. So yeah. you have a bunch of second, third, fourth-tier guys like Bourne and Parker and Gasecki and Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is pretty good for a tight end. Like he's probably a top ten tight end at this yeah. point in his life. So I, I will like give you credit on that. It's just when every if you go to every single team and it's like, oh, the Jets have Garrett Wilson, the Dolphins have Tyreek Kill and Jalen Waddle, the Bills have Stephon Diggs, and then you go to like to every single division and everyone has like that guy. That, like, stud. So, that makes it hard to rank Chris Olave because he's awesome. He's, like, a 1,500-yard receiver. But if I were to say, oh, he's an elite receiver, and then you make me list all the elite receivers, I'm going to start listing, like, eight guys. So, uh, but, yes, he is he is a superstar. Uh, Vegas apparently likes the Saints here. Currently, I'm on the Packers. I may change my mind on that. I am currently have the Packers in the Fab Five uh, just because I think they're the better team, and I think that they've they won – they. Damn near one last week on the road without Aaron Jones, and Aaron Jones practiced today. I think he's going to yeah. come back. And it uh, this is the this is like we'll talk about this when we get to the Dolphins, but this is the Packers home opener, and like I do think that matters for some teams. Like I know yeah. Hard Rock for the Dolphins, not just because it's in September, but the team's doing well. The attendance has already kind of gone up the last few years, and the team's two and zero, riding hot. I think Hard Rock is the Dolphins team is going to be packed. I can imagine in Lambeau. You know, Jordan Love's debut, the start of a new era. It's probably going to be a packed crowd. It's probably going to be a very excited crowd. Uh, I think that matters uh, for for spots like this. Your
0: rivals coach might be a pedophile. Um, (laughs) We'll talk about that later. Talk about Um, that. I, I just, like I said, there's just, just something about the Saints. And also, I'm not saying Crystal Lobby is, like, no, not, not top five. But I think when you list, like, all the young receivers in the league, obviously that excludes, like, you know, like your Hills, your Diggs. Like, I'm talking about guys that have been drafted in the league within the last, like, four or even three years going back to, like, 20. Like, all the 2020 drafts. Like, when you think of all those young receivers, like how you go, you know, Justin Jefferson – uh, Devontae Smith, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave's name is right in there. There's a few that I'm missing, and there's one that a uh, CD Lamb. Like he, like when you look think of all those guys, he's in there. But no, no, no. I'm not gonna go out there and say the top five receiver in the NFL. No, no, no. There's too many guys ahead of him for that category. Um, like even like, for example, like that one, I would say off the top of my head, like Norder, no Jefferson, Chase, even though he hasn't proved it and yet this year. Uh, Diggs, Hill, and Adams, I'd probably find the rank it off there. And then I think Chris Olave falls in that like eight to 13th tier for like receivers in the NFL. Um Detroit versus Atlanta. Um, this is an intriguing game because I think uh, America, um, excluding Alex Kemp, talking to America live from Detroit last Sunday. Uh, I think America as a whole found out really that the Lions, not that they're not as good as we thought they were, but like, hey, they, they had a really come down to earth game. You and I were both on Seattle, I believe for week two. Um, but with this game here, I I think this is the game they rebound. I think this is the game where, you know, everyone's going to think, hey, Atlanta's 2-0. and They're coming in. They beat the Packers last week. But then this could be the game where I think, look, if I'm going to bet this game, I like that minus three for the Lions. I think this could be a field goal game, but I do think that Detroit has that game where it's kind of like, hey, they're here, especially to with Detroit. Because I always like to foreshadow because week four, there's so many good games. Week four – they have Thursday Night Football next Thursday in Lambeau. So we'll see what happens. But I think this is a game the Lions rebound. I'm not saying they're here to be good, but this is that game where everyone's kind of like,
1: hey, the Lions aren't as bad as we thought. Uh, Yeah, I I, I don't have a much of a feel for this one because I have a lot of respect for the Falcons. Um, I picked the Falcons in the Fab Five last week. I actually didn't catch the bet because in my contest, they closed as minus one and a half. Even though I initially took them at plus one and a half and I said it on the show that I would take them at plus yeah, one and a half. Man. And they won by one fucking point after Young Way Ku missed an extra point. Like, God, it was so frustrating. So oh. I I love I love this Falcons team. I think the Falcons team is underrated. I think they're good so bear with me here because this analogy is gonna sound convoluted. I yeah. think they're kinda like the twenty seventeen Jaguars in this way. Not at all in the sense of an elite defense, dominant, best defense in the league. Not at all like that. That's not what I mean. Yeah. But I, what I mean by that is I think they're going to be probably one of the 10 best teams in football. But everyone's going to be hesitant to trust them because of Ritter. And everyone all season is going to bring this up every week. It's going to be Ritter, Ritter, Ritter. I don't trust Ritter. I don't trust Ritter to make the throws. I don't trust them to do well in the passing game. Every week, it's going to be like this. Like it was with Blake Bortles back then. So I think they are really good, and people are so wired to think you can't be really good if your quarterback isn't that good, and I've always thought that was wrong. And I think Ritter is going to be good enough. But in terms of this game specifically, I could see it going either way because is, is Detroit really going to lose two straight games at home? That's the other know. thing. I don't know about that. Yeah.
0: And, and also I want to put up my comments. I'm not saying Detroit's not as bad as we thought they were, but it's more of a, hey, how can this team who's – you know, supposed to be this good team and take that next leap. How do they bounce back in the face of adversity? Obviously this, cause the whole opener was this huge deal. You go in there, Barry Sanders day, go back and listen to my podcast. Cause there was that one really horny fan in Detroit Sunday. Um, but yeah. So I feel like Sunday's that chance for them to really kind of like, like right the ship going into that game at Lambeau field. Um my God. Christian McCaffrey. So elusive. Um, um
1: I would – I and the other thing uh, – yeah, you mentioned Lambeau Field. Like that, that – you could see that one of two ways. You could see, oh, maybe they're looking ahead because the Lambeau Field game is on Thursday Night Football. It's such a big game. But the other side of that coin is, holy shit, you better win this game because they're probably going to be underdogs on Thursday Night Football, I would guess. I could be wrong, but –
0: I I think regardless of what happens, I do think they are just for the fact that it is a road game and it is a short week because you you never really see the road team on a Thursday as the favorite. Like For example, tonight's game, even though New York had that incredible comeback, they're still 10.5 for a reason. Um, Cleveland and Tennessee, this is another really weird one to read just because Cleveland, look, they looked good against Cincinnati, but then they laid a literal egg against – They laid an egg against thing as, like, dude, every sharp I see online is on Elijah Mitchell for tonight. Um, This is a tough game for me to read. Like, I'll say this. I don't know if I'd like to win, but I'd like Tennessee to cover that three and a half. Uh,
1: Yeah, I'm on the other side here. Uh, It's currently in the Fab Five. I feel disgusting about it. If there's anything I've built my reputation on the last two years, it's been telling you all how overrated the Browns are and how bad Deshaun Watson is. Uh, so obviously, why the fuck am I like now taking Browns minus three when I'm so anti-Brown? So I want to be very clear. I still think this Browns team is overrated. Like this is not going to be a weekly thing for me. No, but their defense, couple stats. So they they allowed an offensive success rate as a team to the Steelers and Bengals yes. of twenty three and twenty seven percent. Those would be two of the six lowest success rate scores all of last year. And granted, two division games, two teams they know well. Also granted, Joe Burrow couldn't can't, can barely stand straight right now with his calf. And the Steelers' offense is the worst in football right now. So yeah. there's natural caveats that can be applied to that. But the other, the other uh, caveat to that, though, is that I think that um, I the problem is that the Titans' O line is very bad. Yes, Peter Svoronsky is probably still not going to play this game. I saw he didn't practice again today. That mm-hmm. is concerning. And so this Browns defense has been elite. No, uh, neither of the two opponents. Again, with a caveat about you know terrible Steelers offense. Joe Burrow's not healthy. Neither of those two teams ran a play in the red zone. Um, inside the red zone, all the Steelers field goals were outside of the red zone, and then they had two defensive touchdowns. So, like, this Browns defense is really good. It's in Cleveland. I think this Titans O-line is really bad. I think not having Skaronsky hurts. I just think the Browns are going to get a lot of pressure on Tannehill. I think this is going to be like a five-sack day for Tannehill. And I think, as a result, I like the Browns on this spread. This will not be a weekly thing for me. I'm not going to take the Browns very often on the show or in the Fab Five generally, but I do like them this weekend. Just – Just this weekend. Okay.
0: Okay. No, I I get that. I get that. Um, Next game here, we have Jacksonville and Houston. I know last week we were on them and it backfired, but I'm doing it again because I don't know if you saw this. Trevor Lawrence is a a favorite, I think, of seven or more points. has either not won a game or has only won one or two games. Uh, Your Wi-Fi is okay, sir. Um, So... With this game, Jacksonville-Houston, Jacksonville's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Jacksonville hasn't been overly impressive this year, but Houston has been. So I don't know if Houston's going to win this game. I wouldn't do that, but I like Houston on the points here. Oh, uh he is – I think he's frozen, folks. I think – that you know what? No, no, no. I think the, the Wi-Fi, uh no good. Wi-Fi – uh sorry to improvise, but Big Rat has frozen up on us, so I'm going to take things away. Um, and to quote McGarvin from last night's, uh, episode, quote, if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday, it was the episode I recorded on Wednesday. So kind of take that with a grain of salt for what it is. Uh, and like he said, we do things on the, on the fly. Uh, Jack, I'm trying to find out the Jag spread record. Cause I saw, it. oh, so they, um, record against the spread. Okay. Here it is. Uh, they were 10 and nine in 2022. Uh, and Big Rat, you are back. Your Wi-Fi like look, it's a little pixelated there, but it is what it is. Uh, did you hear anything I said before by the way? About what Titans Browns? No, uh Texans. Okay, so I'm going to we're going to we're going to repeat ourselves, folks. Um so with Jacksonville Houston, oh, okay. Uh so Jacksonville Houston, I I don't know if I would like them to win. I like Houston to cover this game. It's like a rule from last week and a rule that's been applied for three years now. Don't take big favorite, don't take big spreads in divisional games also too. I think I saw something Jacksonville has or Trevor Lawrence leads hasn't won a game as a huge favorite either. So I feel like this is that perfect close call divisional win. It could be a 10 point win for all we know, but I I just don't I trust Houston enough to not do that, especially after the game they had last week against the Colts.
1: I think I actually think the stat is that uh when he's favored by more than 4 that's points it. He's like 0-5. Yeah, 0-5 against his friend or something like that. Texans beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville last year with the worst team, I think. I could be wrong. And I think the Texans, if there's one theme, like I I like week three a lot because week three is one of the few weeks that has an identity. And one of the fun part about week three is that 0-2 teams put out a lot of effort. There's a line of demarcation in the NFL between 0-2 and 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 0-3 um, much, much like I said with Chargers Vikings, it's do or die. So I like 0-2 teams in week three. I think they put up a really good effort. That's actually why for Survivor this week I actually took San Fran and not Jacksonville. I just checked right now in our Survivor League, most, the most commonly picked team was Jacksonville, not the Cowboys, not the Chiefs. It was Jacksonville, and I think that's really risky. I would not take Jacksonville as Survivor this week. Generally don't like using Survivor picks in divisional games, but that in particular is a very, very scary one for me. So again, I'm not predicting a Texans victory, but I do think they cover, and I do think the game could get close. And if it's close, you don't want that as your survival yes. League.
0: I do agree with that as well. Um, like I was looking at my league, and it's the second highest. So, so the, the highest ones for my Survivor League is this game right now: San Francisco, Jacksonville, Dallas, and Kansas City. Those are the biggest four. Um, those are big, those yes. are big I, I still feel like even if Houston loses this game, it could be one of those things where if they keep it close, everyone's kind of like, hey, this, this is a different Texans team. Not to say that they're going to be anything, but this is a team that is no longer
1: that pushover team in the NFL. Um, I, I will. And last thing I'll say people might not realize this Jaguars offense, 32nd in EPA. 32nd. What, let me tell you, everyone, what that means. The 31st team is Zach Wilson and the Jets. Zach Wilson and the Jets, through two weeks, had a better offense than Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars.
0: They did not do anything against Kansas City. And I don't even think Kansas City was at their best last week either, because that's why they only put up 17 points. But moving on to that game in the aforementioned Zach Wilson, as his Jets take on my Patriots, who they are an underdog right now. Um, I'm going to say this right now. Bet this under game, not because of who's playing, but because this game's going to probably be played in a fucking monsoon. So uh, there's, the hur- there's a few games being impacted by uh, a hurricane. I know... This is one of them. I think Buffalo, Washington's another. Dove Kleinman tweeted it out earlier today, and I think there's two other games on the Eastern Seaboard that it's probably going to be a a, a rainy mess. So I'm going to say this. I think this is where New England gets the win, and then it's kind of that – I'm going to say this because I'm honest about it, and I hate myself to be honest about this, but New England's going to get that win, and then they're going to get their asses kicked in Dallas week four. So that's just me. But I still think that when it comes to quarterbacks, who do I trust more? I trust Mac Jones because I think last week we truly learned – Zach Wilson's not an improved Zach Wilson.
1: Yeah. I, now obviously the, the interceptions last week, as Danny has, Danny will probably tell you, they were very late in the game. You know, they were already down 20 points. He was just trying to make a play happen. So you can kind of forgive it a little bit. Like some of those picks. Um, my, my fear for Zach Wilson in this game is I think, I think he's going to play very boring. I think, I think he and the Jets and Salah are going to call the game like they did against the Bills. They're, like, not going to take any chances, not let him lose the game for them. They're going to be very run-heavy. If they're in a situation where it's less than two minutes and there's, like, an opening in, of some kind in order to be able to an, – an opening of some kind in order to be able to uh, – in order to be able to, uh, like, ice out the game, much like they did in yep. that Bills game, I think they're going to just – Time, so i not risking So, I personally think that he's just going to be boring, and that might be good for New England because it's hard to score a lot when you're boring. This is
0: going to be a very similar game, I think, to what we saw last year in that epic 10 to 3 thriller won by Marcus Jones, who unfortunately is out for the season more than likely with a torn labrum. As Leonard Williams gets a roughing the passer call, because we keep you updated here when it's Danny Dimes in primetime. What the? dumb penalty, Leonard Williams? Dumb, dumb penalty to take. Um, for New England, too, this just it screams must win, and it's that like back-against-the-wall mentality where it's like, you know, they've done it to themselves. I just can't see a world right now where they're the ones causing too many mistakes. I can just see a world where New England kind of get, like I said, this is a get-right game for the Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to go out there and do what they can to get the win. Um, I think, look, Hunter Henry's back to being normal. It's just more about how does that offensive line play, and it's pretty much going to be, Whatever defense can make a play, I think whoever wins the turnover battle ultimately is going to win this game because both quarterbacks are prone to them. But ultimately, we'll wait and see. Um, but I'm going to do this now. Can you hear me? Ooh, he's adjusting himself, folks. He's adjusting the camera. Not no. Don't don't not go there. Um, Sunday afternoon in Big Rat's backyard. His Miami Dolphins are hosting. I don't... Can you hear me? Sorry for the technical difficulties, folks. This is what's uh, fun in the world of podcasting. I'm going to do something really quickly. I'm going to take them away. Just show myself for a couple seconds because obviously before we talk about Miami and Denver, we're just going to make sure all the technical difficulties are fixed, which we're going to try this again because obviously, look, there's some uh, Wi-Fi issues as Christian McCaffrey rumbles and stumbles his way into the end zone. And it is now... 16 to 3. So if you have giants, I mean not giants, if you have niners on the spread, thank Leonard Williams for that silly little sack. Um, can you hear me? Okay. I'm gonna put you away again and then we're gonna go from there. Uh let me just do something. Uh mute myself, unmute myself. Let's see what happens. We'll see what goes from there. Are we are we doing okay? So what I what here's what I think I'm gonna do. Here's what I think I'm gonna do. Folks, we're going to make things go on the fly because that is how we make things roll here. I'm going to do this because I'm a good guy, because I'm a good podcast host, and because this is episode number 247, I got to go there, copy the link, I'm going to, he's gone, he's gone, Danny Dimes in Prime Time is just me, guys, it is just me, myself, and I. As I basically go and um, trying to reset on the podcast link. So if I'm vamping, it's because I have to. It's not because I want to. It's because I have to. Nothing I big rat. Look, no, no, no. Look, these things happen. Internet things happen. Um, but anyway, with New England, I, I say the jo- like the thing about like look, getting their ass kicked by Dallas is like half joking, half serious. Just because Dallas is that team. Like obviously, when you've heard of the things of. Being him, as he says, really sorry about this. It is never his fault. You dude, you're going to hear this later, but you are totally excused. You just got to make things work. You got to make things happen. But going back to New England, though, it's just one of those things where it's like, look, they got to win. It's a now or never thing. For my mental and moral sanity, I want Victory Monday to occur. I want Victory Monday to happen for the New England Patriots. As he is back live in the flesh now on his phone because we make things work here. Um, we're going to jump right into it Sunday afternoon, hard rock stadium. I'm not even going to say they're win. I'm saying, give me that minus six and a half as the Miami dolphins are going to go in and run rough shot on these Denver Broncos.
1: I'm assuming you picked the Pats to win, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was basically saying before he came on, this is that get right game for new England where look, they're going to go out there and win. And it's yeah. going to be that, Hey, look, Bill Belichick's fine. And then everyone's going to think, do they challenge the Cowboys? Yes. Will they end up probably losing by 20? Probably.
1: So I think uh, the – I yeah, so the Dolphins-Broncos game is interesting. Uh, as I said earlier, you know – Will you be there? That teams that are 0-2 are desperate. Mm-hmm. I am going to be there. I am going to be there. Um, okay. I'm excited. Very excited. And the, the Hard Rock Stadium teams that are 0-2 generally, they come out not want to lose. If any of you out there want to see the very best example of this, and this will always and forever in my lifetime at least be the best example of this, Vikings Bills 2018. The Vikings were at home against rookie Josh Allen. The Vikings were 16 and a half point favorites. The Bills looked awful the first two weeks. They had like a a minus 70 point differential, something outrageous, and the. Bills won outright. The Bills kicked their ass. It wasn't even close. Like the Bills dominated them. And Vikings survival. <laughs> and, and it's because these zero two teams, they're risk, they're they're frisky. They like to fight. They like to battle. So I think that for that reason, I am scared because I do think Denver is concerning. I'm here. I'm just turning off my camera because I don't think people need to see me. Pull a shoelace out of my dog's mouth. So, uh, I I do like the Dolphins here. I just worry that if we get that do or die performance from Denver, could they surprise? Could they be like the 2018 Bills? Now, I think the Dolphins are real, and I think the Dolphins are the type of team that take cares cares of business at home. I've given this stat many times before, but Tua is like 14 and two at home as the Dolphins starter. Basically, like the only games he's lost are the last game. And the, the, uh, they cracked his ribs and they lost to the Bills. And a game against the Chiefs his rookie year when Patrick Mahomes went to the Super Bowl. Like they, they very rarely lose at home with Tua. When Tua starts to finish the game, they very, very, very rarely lose at home. One of the other losses was like a one point loss to the Falcons in 2021 when they started the year one and seven. And the Deshaun Watson rumors were still going on at that time. Like, they very rarely lose at home. So I expect them to take care of business. I expect them to win this game. I am worried if the Broncos give that do-or-die performance. Um, I think the Broncos are going to get a lot of checkdowns. I think the Vic Fangio, you know, too high safety. Don't give up the big play. Just let them work their way down the field. That's not great if you're a Marvin Mims fantasy owner because I think a lot of people are going to be chasing those two long catches last from last week, and I don't know if you're going to get them in this game. But what you might get is a lot of passes to Samadhi Piran and Javante Williams like over and over and over again with the Dolphins never adjusting, like being okay, giving that up. And then they those Broncos kind of move the ball down the field that way. Uh, but I, ultimately, I think the Dolphins will do enough. Not having Waddle would hurt. Uh, that doesn't matter. But I still yeah. expect the Dolphins to win. <laughs> Expect them to win. Hey, you come down. Expect them to win like 27-20.
0: Something like that. Yeah, like I said, I just I think Miami's for real. I think this is that game where Denver has that cri- crippling doubt. But with Denver, because it's not like last year where, hey, the coach is the problem, this and that. No, this is... Um, Russell has a guarantee that he's due in March, so there's a very good chance that that guarantee gets voided and he's shipped out of town. So we'll, we'll ultimately wait and see what happens, but... It's it's not looking good if you're a Denver if you're a Denver Bronco fan. Um Baltimore and Indy, the only thing I have to say about this game is I think Indy covers the eight and a half. It's just it seems like it's too high of a number, especially for how they played last week with Gardner Minshew. Anthony Richardson, like I said to you before, it looks real, but I'm just sticking with that. I think Baltimore does move to three and zero, but I really like that eight and a half number for the Colts.
1: Yeah, and statistically, like Lamar Jackson is apparently really bad as a heavy favorite. He's kind of like Mahomes in this way. Like, whenever the Ravens are favored by, like, eight or more, they rarely cover. They did week one, but that was the exception. I think the Colts having Gardner Minshew, you know, yes, like, obviously Anthony Richardson has a higher ceiling. But yes. I think this this early in the season, though, against a veteran defense like Baltimore that loves to beat up on young quarterbacks, it might be, it might be better off for the Colts to have Gardner Minshew ah! just make simple plays, not turn the ball over, you know, the boring veteran quarterback stuff, I actually think that could come in handy in this specific matchup. Uh, so I, I like I like the Colts in the spread too. They did not make the Fab Five, but uh, I do like them quite a bit. Uh, the Fab Five so far up to now for those listening, I, I gave out Packers minus two. I gave out the Browns minus three. And one game, we two games we haven't talked about yet. And I'm trying to remember the third, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. But in, in any event, like uh, definitely – definitely agree that oh yeah the Texans the Texans we did talk about the Texans yeah Yeah. I, I did not put in the Colts but uh they were a strong consideration of mine I think Ravens generally not good as big favorites uh Gardner Minshew won't be that much of a downgrade from Anthony Richardson at this point in their careers I think the Colts are the right side
0: and for me so far the one bet you'll see on my annual video is probably the over of Minnesota and LA just because I don't know what the I don't know what the other two are yet Spread picks, the ones that I like are Houston or Indy, so we'll wait and see what ends up making the final cut. Um, but moving into Sunday afternoon, Seattle, Carolina, uh, I'm going to say this right now, this, this this reeks of a boring game. This this reeks of the under-42
1: hitting. And let's talk about the Fab Five. Ooh. Carolina, plus Ooh. six and a half. And, yes, I'm coming out hot. So, as I've said repeatedly on the show, 0-2 teams come out with a fight. teams do really, really well when their back's against the wall, season on the line. Carolina qualifies for that spot this week. And uh, Andy Dalton instead of Bryce Young, not a problem. Same arguments as Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew. I actually think it's it's a little different because Bryce Young hasn't really been turning it over. Um, So I'm not, like, worried about, like, Bryce Young interceptions in the same way that I would be with Richardson. But still, Dalton, conversely, is better than – Minshew. Like Dalton was really good for the Saints last year if you look at his raw numbers and I think he was PFF's like fifth overall graded quarterback or something like that. So I think Dalton can do just fine. Now look, don't get me wrong. These these, uh, Panthers offensive uh, skill uh, players suck. They're really, really bad. Like Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst. This is one of the few teams the Patriots can beat with their receivers because at least Hunter Henry is much much better than than Hayden Hurst. So I think these receivers do suck. I just think why why is Seattle why is Seattle laying six and a half points here? Like when do we trust Seahawks to cover a number that big? I think Seattle's definitely gonna win this game, but I think them covering six and a half, their defense has their defense has not been good through the first two weeks. I think I think Carolina backs against the wall against a bad defense. I think Carolina will surprise people here. I like not at all phased by the backup quarterback. <laughs> I like I like six and a half. I'm taking Carolina six and a half on the spread in the Fab Five.
0: Ooh, we love to see it. We love to see it. Um, only question I have about Arizona and Dallas is: Is there a hope in hell that Arizona covers this twelve and a half, or is this another Dallas Cowboy ass whipping? All
1: right, sorry everyone. This is our loving dog Roscoe. No, what very- a good boy. He is a good boy. He's just excited right now, but he's a very, very good boy. It's Week three, of the NFL season. It's
0: it's it's week three of the NFL. You have to be excited for this. Um, you have to be. pumped. Yeah.
1: So Arizona is two zero against the spread so far. It should be
0: no- They are and
1: and it should be noted that they have currently been giving teams hell. They've they've actually. It's not just that they're two zero against the spread. They've led for the majority of both of their games. So. I think there's a chance. Again, the two and o, the 0-2 factor, you know, it applies for every 0-2 team, so it should be considered. But I would not uh, bet on it, no, because it just – the biggest problem is that Josh Dobbs is probably going to really struggle with this Cowboys defense, and he's played okay the first two games. I don't know if he can play okay against this Cowboys defense. Weird scheduling quirk that the Cardinals play three teams from one division three weeks in a row. Um, So I would say there's a chance but I wouldn't bet on it.
0: I like the over of 42 and a half though. I'm not going to lie.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the way the Cowboys are playing right now, the Cowboys can get 30 by themselves. So all you need is Carolina to be decently competent for like two drives. I, I can
0: see 31 to 14 being a realistic score here. That's just me though. Um, this next one really scares me with Kansas City laying the 11 and a half against Chicago. Obviously, Chicago's D.C. Allen Williams was fired yesterday. Um, a few things we learned. One, he might have be a child pornographer, which we do not condone. No one condones that. The other thing that I I think I forgot about or I just remembered or just learned that Peanut Tillman is an FBI agent. I did not realize that. Like, Chicago Bears legend now works for the FBI. And there it was just so weird how it's like – Fired for reasons, like, like resigned for reasons that no one knows. You had the Justin Fields comments. There was this whole weird report to what Hallis Hall getting raided, which I feel like if it were to have getting raided, we would have known about it. There would obviously have been photos of FBI vehicles outside of Hallis Hall. But all that aside, and apart from my bias of last week of them not covering, this just spells that game that Kansas City proves to the world. We are the Kansas City of old. We are back to being a force. Like this screams them, but I just can't trust the number because we all know how bad Kansas City is as a spread team in the Patrick Mahomes era.
1: Well, especially when the spread when it's a big spread. Like he's good against the spread when he's an underdog or when he's a short favorite like last week. But yes. when but when he's a big favorite, they're usually a massive fade. It's a shame. If all this bullshit wasn't going on, I would strongly consider Bears plus 13 and a half in the Fab Five because as bad as they've been through two games, they they covered this number against the Bucs. Against the Packers, they didn't. But there's a lot of advanced analytical websites that think that Packers game more often than not should have been closer than it was because one of the interceptions resulted in a pick six. And it's like if that guy gets tackled where he catches the pick instead of returning it for a touchdown, Maybe the score of that game is like thirty-one to twenty instead of thirty-eight to twenty or whatever. So the Bears, you know, 0 to desperation spot, they qualify against a team that notoriously covers is bad at covering big spreads. But yeah. all the all this stuff with Allen Williams and all this stuff with fucking um the Justin Fields comments in the presser. I'm just like, man, I don't know, man. Like, there's just like a lot of bad juju going on here. It wouldn't surprise me if they have like a resilient fuck the world performance after all the crap they've gotten this week. But yeah, I mean, this this Alan Williams stuff is scary. And so, yeah, like Griff didn't say that offhand. It's been heavily speculated amongst like Bears Twitter that Alan Williams was um, involved in something nefarious. And just some context clues for everyone to pay attention to. When they vehemently deny that Hallis Hall got raided, they never ever deny that Alan Williams' house got raided which yes. was part of that same report. They're very quick to say, oh, there's a lot of misinformation online. The facility was never raided. But the original report was the facility and his home was raided. And they never talk about his home being raided. The, the uh, Eberflus, like not really addressing why he was leaving uh, was weird yesterday. And then we get the statement from alan williams that he's stepping away from his health but it comes right after all the leaks start happening that the fbi is involved with alan williams and pina tillman told the fbi etc like all those leaks started happening and then we get the pr statement from alan williams i'm actually stepping away from my health if you were really stepping away for your health why would why would the bears like not just say that a whole week why were they being so vague and evasive about why he wasn't around
0: yeah, like, like I said too, I'm not. I, I would never throw, and I'm comfortable saying this, I would never throw child pornography allegations out because that's something that is a very serious allegation. You don't just throw that out just for the fun of it. I know there was that tweet where Cordero Patterson, when he was a bear, got a touchdown. It was like CP to the house. And I'm just like, guys, like, like people were writing that back. And I'm like, let's not make the jokes about that. But you are right, though. I only say that just because. And Mike Florio and Chris Sims address this today, but, like, you would have seen the FBI vehicles and the fact that a lot of these reports came from, like, those bot news sites. And that it wasn't official until you had Ian Rappaport basically state those three facts where it was. Alice Hall didn't Alice get raided. Hall. Peanut Tillman is not involved. And the Hillman NFL is not involved. And the NFL is not involved. But you're all right. The fact that it was a letter from him and it had nothing to do with Chicago Bears font. It was just like something you typed up on Microsoft Word where it's, hey, I resigned due to my health. There is a lot of red flags involved in this process. And look, at the end of the day, we just hope that we get more details because, look, we don't want to speculate and we don't want to really comment on anything. But it's for reasons like this is like why I like obviously look, if none of this was going on, I'd probably be more inclined to take the Bears on the spread again like a weird like the sick fucker that I am. But when you've got all this weird stuff happening, it's just gasoline on the fire. Because that's what the Chicago Bears season is looking like right now like a gasoline fire. And this is just the comment, the Justin Fields comments were one thing. But the fact that you have this PR nightmare shitstorm you got to deal with, it's just there's so much around it that you just don't know what's going on. And like you said, too, there's so much like, Stuff we don't know about yet. You have to figure some people in House Hall probably know what's going on. Because here's the thing, too. His house was raided on Sunday. We don't know when Sunday. But yeah. like you said, no reports about that were denied. So we'll wait and see what ends up happening. But for the meantime, we just hope that, look, if anyone that was affected by this, that we just hope for the best for you. Because obviously the these are very serious allegations, especially if people are saying, too, like you're saying, people are not just going to throw... Oh, he was involved in child pornography out there just for fun. No, they're doing it because there's actual credible sources where it's probably coming from that hey, this was may this might be what's happening in Chicago right now with Alan Williams.
1: Yeah, and and from a football perspective, like, you know, I do think Justin Fields is gonna run more. Like everyone's been bitching about that the last two weeks. I understood why they didn't want to run him. They're trying to protect Mm -hmm. his health. They want to develop him in the other areas of his game. Like it all makes sense to me why they wouldn't. But this is the point in the season when you're 0-2. Where it's like, okay, if we don't run him, we're going to get fired. And yes, if he gets hurt, we're probably getting fired anyways. But we're, we're probably going to get fired if if we don't start winning. And so if him running is our best way to win right now, then at this point, the short term is more important than the long term. You have to care less about his health and less about his development as a long term passer and more on what will win games right now. And maybe maybe Matt Eberflus wouldn't get fired in his second year, although they have lost 12 straight games, which is bad. They haven't won a football game since they beat your Patriots last year. And October 22nd, uh, 2021. Uh, 2022.
0: Yeah. So, October 24th, 2022.
1: 24th, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think Iberflus is necessarily in trouble, but Luke Getzey definitely is if they keep playing like this.
0: They're basically damned if they do and damned if they don't. They, there's no real winning answer for what they're going to do in the sense of that, and also, I know Patrick Mahomes. This game doesn't. This game should not be four twenty-five. I know Chicago's a big market, but I'm sorry, this is not a four twenty-five game. This should be buried in the one o'clock window. And um, Mahomes
1: doesn't. Mahomes doesn't play at one p.m. on Sunday the rest of the year. Now, that's just that's that's
0: goofy. That's just goofy. Yeah. I don't even think Tom Brady was on a crazy run like that, yeah. like ever. Um, I'm gonna say this right now. Sunday night football is disgusting. It's just there's no appeal to it, and I'm also going to say this right now. I said this last night to a Patriots fan, McGarvin. I want your opinion. The 2023 Steelers are the 2022 New England Patriots.
1: That's a pretty good comparison, and I think
0: if the defense can't win you a football game, you're you're fucked.
1: And they they had nine first downs on Monday. Nine, nine. That's really really bad. They they did not. If someone there's a very popular graphic going around on Twitter that is a graph between rush EPA and pass EPA on the x and y axis. Shout and out, Randy. Not, yeah, and it's not just that the Steelers are dead last; they are like they stretch out the graph because they are so much worse than everyone else. Like the graph has an obnoxiously large amount of space between the Steelers and the rest of the NFL. Like, if the Steelers weren't in the NFL, the picture would look so much smaller. It only looks so big because they have to stretch out the axises to include the Steelers in it. Their offense is horrible. Their offense is horrible. They're on a short week. The Raiders' defense is not trustworthy. And so it's like it's like weakness versus weakness. I have no real feel for the spread. A lot of people are betting the Raiders just because the Steelers look so bad on Monday. Like, the Steelers only won because of two defensive touchdowns. It's hard, like you said, it's hard to rely on that every week. I I, I would lean the Raiders in this game. And very sadly, I think what people have to realize, last year, most of us said, wow, they went 9-8 and eight in the rebuilding year. Mike Tomlin's never going to have a losing record. But when you <laughs> don't improve that much on offense the next year and you get a little bit worse luck, then, unfortunately, when you're only a nine and eight team to begin with, losing one extra game and going to eight and nine isn't that hard. So, this could be the year. If they lose on Sunday, we have to start preparing that this could be the year. Yep,
0: my whole thing with this is just I slept on them all off season. I'm not like I was never like they're going to be this great team. Like everyone, like they had this great preseason. I'm like, okay, cool. Remember the Cleveland Browns in 2019? They were supposed to win the AFC North. Week one they got cooked by Tennessee. I just when I look at this team, I'm like, besides George Pickens, what do you have on offense? Najee Harris, not it. Their offensive line, not that good. Their defense is good, but at the same time, too, blame Canada. It's literally is all Steelers fans want to do. Like I, I think if they have a losing record and miss the playoffs, he's probably getting fired. There's probably no excuses around that. Like you you have to fire Matt Canada. Um if I were to bet this game, I'm not going to. I, I just take the under. I think you just, you hold your breath. You take the under 40. Like this, yep. this game screams yep. like 16 to 10. This game yeah. screams like, do you remember the, actually they played this exact same game on Christmas
1: Eve last year. I believe it was 13 to 10. Um, yeah. with the and, the and the the touchdown came on a very late drive by Pickett towards the, like the last two minutes of the game.
0: This is Although this is going to be a home game for Pittsburgh because let's face it, steal it. <laughs> It's gonna be all black and yellow in Vegas on Sunday because Steelers. Not apart from traveling well, it's the fact that hey, it's Vegas, so it's like you get the two of them. You have Steelers fans everywhere, but that's that's all I gotta say about this game. Um, Monday night, first game. Any chance Tampa covers that plus five?
1: Last team in the Fab Five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> baby, we got the Texans, the Panthers, the the Texans, the Panthers, the Browns, the, Pack- the Packers, the Browns. And the Bucks. So four of my if we remove Jordan Love. Because Jordan Love has played well. But let's yeah. I guess let's include Jordan. He's still unproven, but here are the five quarterbacks in am back in this week: Jordan Love, Deshaun Watson, Andy Dalton, CJ Stroud, and Baker Mayfield. Those are my five quarterbacks in the Fab Five. I love the Bucks here. I think one. If you listen to another thing I said a lot the last two years to a lot of the viewers, the Eagles. Six and one in one score games last year. The Vikings get all the attention for going 11 and 0 in one score games. The Eagles went six and one. They're two and 0 in one score games this year. So eight and one in total, not including the Super Bowl. If you include the Super Bowl, it would be two. So let's be fair. Let's say eight and two in one score games. The Eagles, even if they win this game, they're probably going to win this game by around a touchdown. So now the margin to cover four and a half or five or five and a half gets really tight. Now, if instead of winning by a touchdown, you win by four points, you don't cover this number. The game is on Monday Night Football. I think everyone's In Tampa. In Tampa. Everyone, I think, is waiting for Baker to turn into a pumpkin. Uh, But I think it's misguided. Look, I'm not saying Baker has turned it around because it's only been two weeks. He's played two awful defenses in the Vikings and the Bears. However, I will say, Their offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, he was the quarterback coach for Geno Smith last year. And Geno Smith credits him a lot for the turnaround Geno had last year. What else is a similarity between Baker Mayfield and Geno Smith? Geno Smith had two elite wide receivers to throw to last year. Mm -hmm. does Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield's defense, and this isn't a Baker, this is, I guess, less of a Baker point. And I I was screaming this in the offseason. This Tampa Bay defense is not that different from their Super Bowl defense. They really haven't lost that many guys. Most of the guys they lost are the mercenaries on the defensive line. Yes. Um, Like, and JPP, and all those guys from the Super Bowl team. But, like, Shaq Barrett is still there. Levante David and Devin White, still there. Carlton Davis, still there. Antoine Winfield, still there. Vita Vea, still there. A lot of their best players are still there. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles made Justin Fields' life a living hell last week. Now, they didn't run him very often. They'll run Jalen Hurts more often than they ran Fields last week. Yeah, But if you also remember, Todd Bowles made Jalen Hurts' life a living hell in the 2021 playoffs when Tampa Bay played Philly back then. Now, the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. So it's a little bit different now than it was back then. And the Eagles might end up winning this game. But I think the Bucks on Monday Night Football at home are going to play with a lot of energy. I think the Eagles' issues in the secondary with all these corners that have been hurt, Vontae yes. Maddox not for the year, against the Bucks' receiver core, I think that matters. And I think the Eagles' offense it has been kind of middling so far. And I don't know if they're going to be able to dominate the run in this game like they do with every other team. Like they dominated Minnesota in the run game. Are they going to dominate the Bucs' trenches? Are they going to dominate Vita Vale in the run game? I'm not so sure. So, yes, the Eagles still have AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. They have an embarrassment of riches. But I do think they're not going to run the ball that well in this game. Which I think this means <laughs> their offense isn't going to score that much in this game. Their offense wasn't that good against your Patriots. Like statistically, they if not for the pick six, they didn't do much. So mm-hmm. I, I think their offense is not going to be that good. And I think Baker's going to have success with these receivers. The only way I lose on this bet is if the Eagles O line destroys I mean the Eagles D line destroys Baker. If the Eagles D line destroys Baker and Baker's like under pressure and throws a bunch of interceptions. Yes, this bet is dead. I'm hoping that the bucks O line will do enough and that Baker will get the ball out faster to those receivers in the secondary down the field. So I like the bucks plus four and a half plus five plus five and a half, whatever it is. I think the bucks can win this game. And even if they lose this game, I think they're going to lose this game and cover this number.
0: Um, I'm going to say this right now, too, with all the odds. So basically, all the odds come from an app called BetStamp. It's like the Canadian version of Pickett. If you use promo code GRIFB, you can download BetStamp and basically shop for the best odds. So basically, it gives you all the best odds for varying NFL games. And basically, it's like, hey, BetRivers may have this, but then uh, Bovita may have this, but then Caesars has this. So for this Monday night game, the plus five is available courtesy of our friends at the score bet. And uh, for uh, the second Monday Night game, I'm going to say this. I know they're a favorite, but their backs are against the walls, and I feel like a lot of people doubt them. I like the Cincinnati Bengals outright. This is, that this is that 0-2 spark that takes them. That like This is that, oh, the Rams look good. This is that, you know, that Puka Nakua and all that stuff, which someone tried trading their Madre Stevenson for Puka Nakua in fantasy. Pukas look great, but I just think that's a player that's eventually going to turn into a pumpkin. With this game, though, I like two bets. I like Cincinnati outright, and I think this is the game where Jamar Chase gets into the end zone. Because look who's gonna who's gonna cover him? Think about it. He's played two really good defenses in the first two weeks. Who realistically is going to cover Jamar Chase in the secondary? I don't know. My fantasy team also that has Brock Purdy as one of the quarterbacks needs that to happen
1: as well. I think I think that uh, I agree with you. The Bengals. This I know. This is a loaded statement, and this might sound foolish because of their credentials over the last two years. I think the Bengals season is over if they lose this game. Like yes. the division is too hard. The division is too hard. They already the Baltimore. It seems like and this could be wrong, but it seems like the Browns going to be a lot better this year. So I think the Bengals absolutely have to win this game. And as a result, uh, I I, I Look, I'm not going to go as far as to say win if Burrow doesn't play. But even if Burrow doesn't play, I think I'll put the hell a hell of a fight. This guy is the whole team that I've changed. i on Even if Burrow doesn't Hello?
0: You basically paused and then it went all like – Weirdo Cinco, basically. So probably going to have to backtrack and get you to repeat that. So you're going to have to hear it twice, kind of like me with Houston Jacksonville. But he is gone from there. But we can do this for fun. We can have three big rats, three, two big rats on the podcast. But no, basically, before you were talking about their whole uh 0-3 stuff with Joe Burrow, um, before you repeat what you said, I have one thing to say to you. Monday Night Football 2020, it was that Muppets game on ESPN. And they were playing the Steelers.
1: Yep. With Ryan, Ryan,
0: Finley. Ryan Finley, a quarterback. They won that game outright. So I, I think this is that game where it's kind of like, hey, Cincinnati gets their swagger back. And I was looking ahead to week four briefly. They play the Titans week four. So this is more reason for a must win because if they're a favorite in that game, you know who to bet.
1: And I <laughs> absolutely. And uh, Mike Grable, the Under God king, who I am betting against this weekend uh, with the Browns. And I'm very scared about it. But uh, I, all I was going to say was that uh, I think even if Burrow doesn't play, I think there's a lot of guys on this Bengals team who have played a lot of big games, and I think yes. they're going to rise to the occasion. I think you'll see guys like Jermaine Pratt or guys like T. Higgins, guys like Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. I think these guys Jamar are going to make big, big plays, even with a backup quarterback. Now, I'm not saying I would pick them to win without Burrow, because that does hurt. But I think they'll give a really inspired effort, and with Burrow, I just think, yeah, I think they, I think they recognize the moment. I think they recognize this is a do or die spot for them. And I, I I struggle to see them losing this game. It's football; anything can happen. I know the Rams have looked pretty good, but I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I it gives me flashbacks to when my Dolphins played them on Thursday Night Football, and they were one and two at the time. And yes, Tua got concussed. We'll never know what happened. But they just played with, like, a wear-back energy. And that's what I expect on Monday.
0: And there's a report, too, that they're wearing those. And, look, the uniform bets went 0-2 this week with Cleveland and New England both losing in their throwbacks and their uh, alternatives. But Cincinnati's in those nice white uniforms with the white helmet Monday night. So, I'm just saying. Who day? One more quickly before we go quickly. um, Obviously, we talked about Colorado last week. They looked good. They looked really good. But this week, I think is a true litmus test against uh, Oregon. My question for you is: Is there? I think the more I look at it, I don't want to take them to cover the big number just because all of
1: America's on it. Yeah, I don't. I don't like them on the number. Like, I feel like if you think Colorado's going to keep this close, go real ballsy. Bet on the money line. Bet on the energy. You know, the Dion magic continues. Um, I think that's a better value for your investment than like, oh, I think they're gonna lose by seven points on the road on yes. one of them on one of the most hostile environments. And look, I, I, I won't pretend to like watch Oregon games very closely, but this betting podcast I listened to was saying that Oregon at home is like, one of the toughest places to play because they're the best version of themselves at home. Like, more so than other college football teams, Oregon is the best version of themselves at home. And that makes it really scary. This Colorado team, look, it's a fun story. It was exciting. I loved that game against Colorado State. But they got outplayed. They were lucky to take that game to overtime. And Oregon is just such a good team. Bone Nicks. He's going to go high in the NFL draft next year, higher than people think. I think he's going to be a second-round pick, if not a late first-round pick, which is hilarious because he was like a joke when he was at Auburn his first few years. But, I mean, so I'm old enough to remember Kenny Pickett was a joke at Pittsburgh. Joe Burrow was a joke his first year at LSU. Guys improve. Guys get better. And so I think this is just too much to ask. Bo Nix with the defensive-minded head coach, they have more talent. Colorado's defense has not been good. Like, they lived in Nebraska, but that doesn't mean that much. Their defense gave up... 30 to Colorado state and 40 to Texas A&M. I mean, Texas uh, TCU. So it's just a tough spot. Like I I love, I look, I think it'd be fun if they won. I think it'd be fun if the magic kind of continued for another week, but yeah, covering 21 points. I, uh, it's just tough. It's just a different level of competition. 69 and a
0: half baby. Don't even think about sweating it. Just take that and run. Um, that's the thing, too, because like I'm like, they haven't been challenged yet. It's that whole, like, you know, TCU. Like, TCU 2023 is what LSU 2020 was, where it's just they lost all their guys. Nebraska's Nebraska, and then Colorado State. Look, you deserve to – like, I mean, you had to do what you had to do, but you barely squeaked out the win. So we'll see what happens. But honestly, Austin Stadium, give me the ducks. And also, I actually had to take – before we go, before I got one more thing. I just said this last night. So, you know, earlier I said with that – Denver could possibly, there's that, like, I think there's a weird way Denver could get out of the Russell Wilson contract after this year. A quarterback I like that I think will go that I feel like the normal NFL fan doesn't know about, but you and I know about. Michael
1: Penix Jr. for the Denver Broncos. Pen- Penix is a beast. I've had him on my college fantasy team since he was in Indiana. Uh, love Penix. He's a stud. That conference is crazy right now. Like, Sanders at Colorado, Bone at Oregon, Caleb Williams at USC, and Pennix at Washington, it's loaded. Uh, I like Penix a lot. He, Tua, Tua, bigger arm.
0: I just don't want him in the AFC East, but you know what? AFC East has their quarterback situation figured out. But anyway, guys, episode number 248. I have to double-check that just because – of just because, like, look, I like I do things on the fly here a lot, and yeah. So episode two hundred forty eight is in the books. Episode two hundred forty nine coming out Monday night. Kyrie Thompson is back with me, where he DM'd me this himself. Let's get weird, But guy, anyway, you guys. For Big Rat and I, I'm Griff. You know where to find us. Have a good night, everyone. Enjoy week three of the NFL football season